From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I connect with someone who takes care to always keep God in the picture and maintain her beliefs, all while blazing trails as a modest-minded fitness instructor and personality. Leah Fole is ripped. There is no other way around it. But that's also definitely not the first thing you'd notice about her. The first thing that I noticed about her was her hair. It's blonde and super long, way past her waist, and it's gorgeous. The second thing I noticed about her was her skirt, and she's in the gym. This is a great conversation between two people who have similar experiences in very different environments. As a kid, I was <laughs> I was a little uh, awkward. <laughs> um, I wasn't quite the um, social butterfly that I am now, which is kind of funny looking back and seeing how timid I was, especially in school. And I'm sure that you kind of know how it was to grow up a little different than the other kids. Um, and, but outside of those things, when I was home, I was super high energy, um, very, very funny and sarcastic and silly. Um, and I just like, I was that kid that was never able to really show that in front of other people at my family, but um, I had a wonderful childhood and my parents did an amazing job being so supportive of us as kids. And um, yeah, I'm glad I grew out of that awkward stage. Mostly, I've mostly grown out of that awkward stage. Aren't we all just a little bit awkward always? <laughs> yes. You mentioned that you were different from the other kids around you. Uh, in, in what way? So um, I grew up wearing skirts and, um, you know, I had long hair and in that, it would kind of make me feel a little bit self-conscious uh, of it. I was never embarrassed of it. It was just, um, I was treated different because of it. And then because I was treated different, it made me kind of squelch my natural personality, et cetera. So um, it was very obvious that I was different in school. And, um, you know, people would ask about it. And as I got older, going from um, elementary to middle to high school, I noticed that um, I was a lot more accepted as we all got older and kind of realized that we're all a little bit weird in our own ways. <laughs> right. Was, uh, was there a specific reason why you keep your hair so long and always wear skirts? So, um, you know, growing up, that was something that I grew up in and it wasn't until, wasn't until I got a little bit older. I always knew why we did it. That was never, never a an issue. Um, my parents, like I said, were absolutely wonderful. They were never one of those people that were just like, do we say and you know, whatever. Um, they really, really were wonderful at explaining, etc. Um, so growing up, it was always um, a form of modesty and our version of, um, I'm going to try to think to how this put this um, in the best way possible, basically honoring God through our dress and um, following what he says in the Bible about modesty, etc. And, um, and then as I got older again, and I kind of went through a stage where I was like, hmm, I wonder what it'd be like to dress different um, than I've always dressed. And um, I quickly found out that any other lifestyle than this is just not for me. It's not, it's not even, it's not even just my personality. Like it's, it's just not me and at my core. I'm so comfortable with who I am right now. So yeah, growing up and um, dressing different was, again, our form of modesty, our version of wanting to please God through our dress. And obviously, modesty starts in the heart, but it is a, it's a inward profession of our outward, what is the outward profession of our inward faith? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, an outward <laughs> projection. Yeah. Right. I love that yeah, way of, of describing it, because I'm someone who is also dressed modestly my entire life. Um, I wear skirts, yeah. I cover my elbows and collarbone, um, and I've never heard it described that way as honoring God through the way that you dress. If you don't mind me asking, is there like a specific religious group that you consider yourself a part of? Yeah, so um, we are apostolic Pentecostal, and the breakdown of that is that there's a lot of different kind of versions of Pentecost. So Pentecostal is more of, um, of an experience, you know, it's, I think if you've ever been to a Pentecostal church, it's very high energy. It's very, 
um, centered around focusing on God. Um, and so we're Pentecostal in experience, which is what most Pentecostal churches are when they say they're Pentecostal. They're very, they're Pentecostal in experience. Um, and then we're apostolic in our doctrine. So we follow the apostles' doctrine um, in the Bible, the doctrine that um, is, you know, outlined, et cetera. So some Pentecostal churches vary on their belief systems. Um, some are oneness, some are Trinitarian, et cetera. But we are apostolic Pentecostal, and um, that's what I grew up as. That's very cool. And I'm guessing that there weren't that many other apostolic Pentecostals around you uh, just because of what you were saying about dressing so differently from everyone else. Yeah. So our church actually growing up was anywhere between a thousand to 1500 people. But, wow. You know, those, right. But <laughs> those aren't, they didn't go to my school, you know, and if they did, they right. weren't the same grade as me. So, it, and our schools are massive. You know, my, it's like one of my schools, I think was like three, 4,000 students and it was just um yeah I, I did feel alone quite a lot when I wasn't with my church family did you go to public schools out of curiosity I did I homeschooled the last three years of high school because we ended up evangelizing so traveling I had to have like a I couldn't go to an actual public school but yeah I, I grew up going to public school <laughs> oh okay that's that's very cool the the thing for me that is so striking is that you, you know, you grow up and you have this different way of looking at the world from everyone in your, in your school. And yet you still have this very like inner conviction about the way that you dress and the way that you are. Um, was there ever a point when that was a little shaky or not as clear? Yeah. Um, like I said, I kind of went through a point of time where I had to find this my own and I think that every young person raised in this should or raised in any sort of belief system um, should take that time um, you know we can't we can't travel or hold on to our parents coattails when it comes to belief systems and etc we really have to find that within ourselves so uh, there was so a true. point in time yeah girl I know I know you've probably had to kind of it's so true on, yeah yeah. I mean, yeah, we have very similar experiences, obviously with different belief systems, me coming from an Orthodox Jewish background. Um, but yeah, it's like, this is not your mama's beliefs. Like you, yeah. need, you need to make it work for you. And I think that the people who, who don't find their own, excuse me, their own space in it, those are the people who end up being a little bit more resentful or, um, yeah or choosing to live, to live their lives differently. Because if you, you know, there's something, there's, you know, there's something about finding your own footing within a belief system and finding the parts that, that speak to you and making peace with the ones that don't and, and working around right. all of that. That's something that every person has to do for themselves. And it's so easy not to do it. It's so easy to just, you know, this is the way that life is. We, we do these things and we dress a certain way and we go about life in our own way. Um, but if you don't find that, that peace with it, then it, you know, it, it just makes everything so much harder. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, uh, the people who don't ever really get for themselves um, end up being resentful and that's, that's a hard place to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely is. So I know you as the fitted gem and I want to yeah. know how an awkward girl um, in <laughs> like who grows up Pentecostal and, and all of that, like how, how does the fitted gem happen? How do you become, um, this fitness guru who is like super fit by the way, and very inspiring <laughs> someone like me who cannot lift anything. Uh, but also you do all of this in a skirt. Like I, and when I found your page, I immediately was like, there was a very short amount of time when I went to the gym regularly. I'm talking about like maybe six months when I was in college and that was it. Um, yeah. and during that time, I was the only one there in a skirt and it was so uncomfortable and I can't imagine that you didn't have a similar experience yeah so I'm like I'm smiling I can't see it but I'm like smiling so huge over here because you just cracked me up um <laughs> so, so yes um you know oh man my life story <laughs> I could just be like an hour on this Let's. But how? Yeah, yeah pull the chair <laughs> get my screen let's go get comfy Yes. Um, I'm like sitting with a blanket right now. So I am uber comfy. Okay. Me too. I got so snacks. Let's, let's go. 
let's start with how I uh, became in a fitted gym. So um, as a young girl, I really, really struggled with fitness and health. Um, I think a lot of young girls go through this where they are trying to kind of find their way. Um, and But with all the things that the world spits at us and all the things that diet culture spits at us, we never really know which direction to go. Um, and so it ends up being like, you know, crash diets and then, oh no, well, they said you need to run a lot or, oh wait, let's, somebody said you need to do body weight exercises or et cetera. So I was a very confused young woman, um, which led to a lot of eating disorders. It led to body dysmorphia and just viewing myself as someone who was a lot larger than she should have been. But in reality, I was like a super tiny girl. Um, and so struggling through all of that, it overtook my life. And that's such a sad, sad place to be. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to help women out of now as if this is something that is taking away from your experiences with family and friends and birthday parties, church events and stuff like that. If this is something that is consuming your mind, then there's something wrong with that. And we need to work through that to the point where you can fully enjoy life and fully enjoy fitness and health and all of those things that come with it. So, um, yeah, so I struggled um, hardcore when I was young. And then finally, when I was almost 18, I told a friend that I had been really struggling with eating disorders and they helped me through it. And it was at that point, I really started to want to heal um, my relationship with food and my relationship with fitness. Because up until that point, I've been running 12 miles a day to achieve, um, you know, a certain look, which was to be skinny. And when I was 19, um, I started seeing these pages on Instagram and these women were weightlifters. And, um, you know, at that point, Hatton, I'm not, I wasn't fully kind of in the place that I am now. Now I, I focus on strength and agility and all those things. I don't necessarily focus on an aesthetic or looking a certain way. So when I was 19, I would see these women and they were lifting and I was like, wow, they actually have the body that I've been kind of going for. Um, but they're not doing like any cardio and, you know, they're weightlifting and they're strong and they like look strong and they look happy and they're eating so much. Like, how are they doing all of this? So I actually, the reason why I'm so passionate about my Instagram, uh, and the people who watch my stories get tons of information day in and day out. And like, I'll dispel a fitness myths or diet myths, or I'll pull up a post that doesn't make any sense scientifically and I'll kind of pick it apart and show them like how to kind of pick out the craziness in diet culture. Um, and the reason I'm so passionate about that is because I got a lot of my insight and a lot of my information from fitness pages. Um, and of course with that came, you know, these pages were not as fully dressed as I am. And with that came comparison, et cetera. So my page is hopefully a page where women do not compare themselves to how I look, et cetera, because, you know, I am fully dressed, but then I also don't put a sole focus on how you look. So um, when I was 19, I started getting into that. I finally went to the gym for the first time. That was a little weird, but shortly after I went, I realized that some of my family friends went there and they're from my church. And, um, so they would train me in um, weightlifting and powerlifting, and I would train in plyometrics because I was really good at plyometrics and bodyweight exercises and cardio type stuff. And so I wasn't necessarily always alone in the whole skirt journey. So I really, really feel for people who have absolutely no one to go with. Um, I, you know, I did go by myself for quite a while before I um, that my friends went there, but man, I do sympathize with people who are just showing up in a town like all by themselves but um one thing I can say that is you'll get used to it and you have no idea the people that you're impacting just by showing up and dressing a little different so um that was when I was 19 was when the dream of the fitted gym started um it wasn't called the fitted gym I you know I wanted to start a page to help people in this realm, especially within religious realm, because it is still kind of a taboo um, thing to present. And I know that diet culture is so heavily ingrained within the religious realm. 
And um, I know that so many women do not have an outlet to go to to find out all of this information. So I wanted to start the Fitted Gym, but I um, I guess I wasn't ready. And um, when I was 19 was when I um, really had the idea of the Fitted Gym. Obviously, at that point, it wasn't called the Fitted Gym. Um, I just wanted to create a space for women to come and learn, and especially especially within the religious realm where fitness is kind of taboo and women don't know where to go. And yet diet culture is super rampant and like all these crazy diets for women to lose weight fast is so present in this world, like within the religious world. Oh my goodness. It's so, it's so interesting to me. Why do you think that is that like, I don't know, you're right that there is this kind of taboo around fitness around I don't maybe not even like around taking care of yourself because you're right things yeah. like diet culture and I did a whole episode on this with Rachel Tuckman um uh, who's a licensed mental health counselor and and you know diet culture is so prevalent among the yes. religious community and I think it has like my, my I, I can only speak about my own community because that's what I know about and I think that it has a lot to do with like we, we just all live really close together and we all see each other all the time. And therefore we are always worrying about what everyone else is thinking about us to an even right. more extreme than a regular person. Um, it's like, it's like being religious is, it's a small town within a small town because, oh, yeah. because exactly. Cause like we're all seeing each other in church or synagogue or wherever every week. <laughs> and it can yeah. get so stressful. Why do you think it is that, that fitness is a, a taboo subject among religious communities? You know, I think um, one of the things that I have really, really come to learn, even when it comes to mental health um, and fitness and weightlifting and like even when a new product comes out for, for, um, for modest people to wear, like um, skirts that have leggings underneath them, any back, any pushback um, is typically coming from a place of the unknown. So people fear what they don't know. And when it comes to fitness, it has always been viewed as this vanity. Um, And it's always, you know, the world pushes it as a vanity to, you know, um, just speaking very, very plainly. There's so many guides out there that are like, go from a flat to a bubble butt, or, you know, they put such an emphasis on how our bodies look in relation to fitness and health, which is, um, it's just really sad because there's so many, so much more to fitness and health than, um, just how it makes us look. So I think that any pushback that I've experienced and that you've experienced and that others have experienced is coming from a lack of knowledge. People truly do fear what they don't know. And since starting the fitted gym, I've had several, several churches that now allow their women to go to the gym because I've proven over and over that example of this is okay. Like you can keep your modesty, go to the gym. It doesn't have to be about looking a certain way. And sure, if your spirit's not right, you start looking a certain way with your body and, you know, maybe go off the deep end, but that's that way with absolutely anything. Okay. You can go to the store and lose your soul if you're not like, right. You know, right. you said that you use the word allowed. Was are there some churches that don't allow women to go to a gym or to work out in public? Yeah, there there absolutely are, one hundred percent. And it goes beyond um, the way that I was raised. Like I was our the way that I was raised, we were always allowed to go to the gym. That was never a problem. Um, but there are, I'm sure that you have experienced within your Orthodox community. Um, people that are more conservative and then people that are more liberal and then people that are maybe um, right in the middle, but still have some odd things that they, um, you know, that maybe you don't necessarily agree with. Um, So for sure, there's always going to be a spectrum. There's always going to be, even, you know, even if you all, you know, subscribe to the same belief system, there's always going to be different ways that that manifests itself and how that like shows itself. Um, just on a daily basis. I'm actually thinking now of my mom who does go to the gym pretty consistently. Um, And she has, and it's something that's actually pretty common in the Orthodox Jewish community. There are a lot of female only gyms and, Mm -hmm. um, and that's what my mom goes to. So when she goes, 
um, she is not going to be necessarily fully modest, but she's among all women and she's comfortable with right. that. Um, so right. you know, her hair will be uncovered. She'll be in pants and short sleeves, but, um, but it's an all female environment. So she's totally fine with that. There are women who'd still go to the, the all women, like female gym and they will still work out completely modest, but they're only comfortable, right. being, you know, in that environment. So it's always just different ways that things express themselves, you know, just different. It's all about your own comfort zone. Like I always get asked if my dresses are modest and I say, I'm 100% comfortable wearing everything that I put out. Whether right. or not you're comfortable with it is something that I can't answer for you. So I've had people tell me that my dresses were way too modest. I've had people tell me that my dresses were <laughs> immodest. I'm like, yeah. how could you dare walk out the door like that? I've gotten all the sides of the spectrum. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's an individual thing. It's how each individual person you know, works, works through their own stuff and just how they, um, how, how they choose to, to show, you know, just to show their beliefs. So you, yeah. you mentioned weightlifting. That is the freaking coolest thing ever, by the way. I think that's awesome that you like, how, how much can you, I know that now you're dealing with, with back problems. So I don't think you, that you're lifting that much right now, but like at your best out of curiosity, cause you are not you're not giant. Like you're, no. you're like, you're this tiny little thing. How much could you lift? <laughs> so like just going back to the whole tiny little thing, people always think that weightlifting is going to make them look manly. And I'm like, y'all, <laughs> I'm like, do I look like a man to you? <laughs> like I've been doing this for seven years and I don't look like a man yet. Okay. So um, five years ago, I got into a wreck and I did um, have to stop powerlifting. I love, 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 love powerlifting. I'm actually starting to, I've been implementing it back into my workouts for about in, for about the past four months. So What's very, very slowly. Okay. So you have your, um, your compound lifts, which are your squats, your deadlifts, and your bench. Do you know what those are? Yes, I think I know what all those words mean. Can you explain them okay. for someone who doesn't though? Because I'm like only 80% sure that I actually know what they mean. Yeah, yeah. So all of these include a barbell. A barbell weighs 45 pounds and then you rack the weight or weight on the side. So a squat would be wearing barbell on your back. Some people do front squats where they hold it in front of their body, but in competitions and stuff, most of the time back squats are the most prevalent. So you would put the barbell on your shoulder pads and then squat down. A deadlift is where you would have the barbell on the floor with weights racked on the side and you would pick the weights off of the floor. Obviously, if you're in a meet, I never did any meets or any uh, competitions or anything like that. Mine was more for fun. Um, but you have to have like the correct form A because you're picking up a ton of weight and if you don't have the correct form, like goodbye spine. <laughs> right, you will hurt yourself. But Right, right. And then obviously if you're in a competition, you have to have the correct form or you'd be, you won't, uh, you won't pass all of their green lights. So, and then the bench is you're lying on a bench and you're holding the weight, um, above your chest and you obviously lower the weight down to your chest and push back up. So, okay. So that's what I think of when I think of, li of weightlifting, how is a yeah. power lift different than those? So weightlifting can include like free weights, machines, cables. Weightlifting is not just those three lifts. Now you can, you can be a weightlifter and do all of those three lifts, but powerlifting is, is more of a certain style. Like it gets into more technique and um, just, it's like a, it's a power lift. Like it's power girl. It's like power. Is it the same pose <laughs> like, just done differently? Like, would you still have the bar over the back of your shoulder or something like that? Yeah, there, well, there's like so many different ways to squat. There's high bar, there's low bar, there's so many different ways to deadlift, there's sumo, there's conventional, there's like, so I guess powerlifting gets more into that. And then it's also, um, you're really focused on your numbers. So most weightlifting, when you're weightlifting to build size, you would do higher reps and um, lower weight. So um, but someone who is powerlifting, while they might do some high, high reps and low weight, most of their focus is going to be on low reps and really high weight because they're wanting to get their, um, their numbers up. They're wanting to be able to lift as much as possible. So, so it's a different way of training to be like, I want to pick up the biggest thing possible and I only yeah. have to do it once or twice. I don't have to do it, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to yeah. the first question, how much could you lift at your best? 
so um, probably about four and a half years ago, I was doing, my deadlift was almost 400 pounds. Whoa! Uh, yeah, and I was a tiny, I was, it was only 120, like three pounds. You were lifting three times your weight, more than three times your weight. Right, right. It was, yeah, it was like one of the best times of my life. How to do this? <laughs> I got the you, girl. Best thing ever. That is, Come see me. <laughs> I have to. Okay, so <laughs> I am recording this sitting at my kitchen table right now. And this table is, it has this big marble top. And the way that yeah. our kitchen is set up, it's just my husband and I, but we have uh, guests over a lot. And it's a square table that's tucked into a corner. And when we have guests, we need to pull the table out into the middle of the room so that there's room for everyone to sit. Okay. So, it's so heavy. you need me to come do it. So I need you to come do it. <laughs> Basically. Okay. I got you. Heavy table. And it literally takes the two of us huffing and puffing and like, and we put these sliders <laughs> underneath. They don't work. <laughs> it does not make sense. <laughs> and we're like just dragging this thing. Cause I, I mean, I, um, I got to ask my husband how much he thinks this table weighs because I am terrible at those kinds of comparisons. <laughs> but we're talking like at least, it's probably like around 200 pounds. And you're telling oh, me yeah. you to pick this up times, times two. two yeah. <laughs> Whoa. So, now, the thing is, is obviously the angles are very different because the bar is directly like in line with your body path versus an entire table. The right. proportion of the weight is so distributed. So yeah, when you're thinking of something like that, like don't get, you know, don't get too crazy being like, oh my goodness, because it's still, it's still slightly different. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, it's just so heavy. Oh my God. I can't even think of something that weighs 400 pounds. That's crazy. Okay. I'm getting distracted. Sorry. You're a superwoman. That's the point. Um, no, no. <laughs> you mentioned that you were in a wreck. Was that a car accident? Yeah. Um, that was a car accident a little over five years ago now. So did a number on my body and I, again, had to stop my beloved powerlifting to really kind of let myself heal. And now I'm doing like phenomenal girl. I'm doing That's amazing. Awesome. That's great. I want to know what that recovery was like though, because it sounds like fitness and powerlifting was this huge part of your life. And then aside from the fact that you're in a terrible car accident, which is, you know, traumatic in and of itself, you can't do this thing that you really love doing. What was, yeah. what was that process like? So, you know, when most people start into weightlifting, it's kind of like lift all the weights, like, you know, don't necessarily start if you're doing the proper form, we just want to lift heavy weights. And like, I totally get it. And that's one thing that I so adamant about is not being that way because I was that way. But when the when the wreck happened, um, I had been going to I started going to a, a pain management specialist, um, and started getting you know procedures done like steroid injections and um, ablations, which are nerve burnings and stuff like that to kind of handle the pain. And I was still powerlifting. And actually, some of I think some of my biggest numbers were actually after that happened. I think after wow. the wreck happened because, because I, you know, I kept going, um, even though I really shouldn't have, um, I didn't do any further damage to my body, but I think my body just really needed time to recover. Um, I just had so many herniated discs from the wreck and then, um, like ribs that pulled out that never healed. And, um, so when I was talking to my pain management doctor, he was like, you know, the m people that I have the most trouble with are power lifters because they, they're, they love what they do. Like that's, they absolutely love what they do. And he was like, I, you know, need you to, if you can kind of step back. And at first I would put up a little bit of fight. And then finally, like a month later, I stopped powerlifting probably three months after the wreck and uh, maybe a little bit longer after that. And it was because he would see him over and over. And he was like, you know, you just need to give your time body to heal. Like once it heals and you feel okay, you can get back to it. But um, so it was really, really, it was a tough mental thing because it was something that I loved, like absolutely loved. Um, and, you know, I was, I did a really good job at supplementing it and being like, you know what, I may not be able to do that, but I can do this. Like, I still can keep my body strong. And um, I think that I actually had a really good mindset about it um, because I didn't just wallow in it. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do what I can. And then one day I'll be able to go back to it. Right. 
and you said you're you're starting to get back to it now, right? Yeah, I've been been slowly implementing it in for about four or five months now, and it's like it's amazing. It's a whole feels like a whole new world because I'm not I'm not experiencing the same pain after the wreck when I would power lift that I am now. Like I I feel so much better that it's like wow, I could be like this. <laughs> right, you're you're feeling the effects of letting yourself rest. Right. Do you um do you have any other job aside from like running your blog and stuff like that? Are you full time doing that? Yeah, the fitted gym is it. It's my baby. It's my it's my everything. It's right. my boyfriend. It's- <laughs> oh, honey, been there. <laughs> oh, so been there. Oh my god. Um, yeah. If my husband had not like literally fallen from the sky when he did, then I'm pretty sure that like I would still just be holed up in my studio right now. But that's yeah. a story for a different time. Um, I'm just curious because when you. Um, when you have something like that, where like you are forced to rest, like if someone told me now that I didn't, that like, oh, okay. So like, you can't design anything for the next two years. I think my brain would explode. Right. Uh, and like, and, and you run a business based off of it. Like you run, you know, the fitted gem is, is your job. So right. with that, like, w- was there some, was there a mental like shift that needed to happen around I'm going to spend all my time doing this. Like everyone values being really busy with the thing that they do, right? There are a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and who, um, you know, build businesses and they're always talking about how busy their schedules are. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. your schedule is a lot more open because you're not spending time in the gym or you're not spending as much time powerlifting. Were you, was there, was there something specific that you needed to do or tell yourself to help make that shift? Um, so let me clarify the question. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So um you're you're wondering making the shift to being the an entrepreneur and not spending as much time in the gym? No, but that's a way better question to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was I was thinking more about like the mindset shift of like of not being able to do the thing that you wanted to do. But answer the question that you heard because that's way better. <laughs> I'll answer both. Okay. Um, Bonus. I, when I first started weightlifting, I actually would spend an hour to two hours in the gym, but I was also like, I was with my friends. So we were hanging out. Like it wasn't, I was not working out the whole time. And then I got convicted about spending that much time in the gym. And um, I really started dialing it back. So now my work does not even cut into my gym time. Can I cut time you off for a minute? Wait, if yeah. I, you say you got convicted? Yeah. Of what? Of spending two hours in the gym. Oh, like the way that you said that for a second, I thought that like you like actually got arrested. No, 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 no. <laughs> no conviction in my heart. Like, in, oh, in my <laughs> okay. Sorry. Not familiar with the terminology. Continue. Okay. Sorry. Like I felt, I felt wrong for spending two hours in the gym when maybe I hadn't spent um, anytime in prayer that day or, you know, reading my Bible or doing the things that I should have technically been doing. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Sorry. I just wasn't familiar with the terms. (laughs) Convicted. That's, that's what, that's what the word means. (laughs) This is why, this is why I love having conversations with people who come from such totally different backgrounds from me because funny things like this happen and it's like, oh yeah, that's not what you meant. Okay. Anyway, hey, now you know. Now I know. Okay. See, new vocabulary we learned. Yeah. So, like, um, now I focus on really fitness being um, an addition to your an addition to your life instead of being a sole focus. And so, my workouts are anywhere between fifteen to forty-five minutes max, like absolute max. And so, my work does not cut into my gym time at all. There might be the occasional day where I'm running a little crazy and decide not to go for, you know, based on how my body feels, et cetera. But yeah, I'm, I'm so into functional fitness and just letting it be a small part of your life instead of overtaking it. Right. No, that's, that's so important. Cause I can't think of two hours to like sleep, let alone go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> so like that is not super practical for a lot of people. What was yeah. the process of building the business side? Like at what point did you realize 
okay, now I have this thing that I like to do. I work out a lot. I found my place in it. I've overcome a lot to get here. Now let's turn it into a business. What was that process like? Did you immediately start selling your guides? Was it just building the page? How did that happen? So, um, I have, so I wanted to start this inspirational page and this is, I think I dropped off this part of the story. I wasn't quite, I think the reason I didn't start it earlier was because I wasn't quite sure. And then in 2017, so I started the Fitted Gym in 2017. I started it, I actually launched the business November 1st and I started the Instagram a month before that. Um, but before that I hadn't done anything about this dream in, in that sense. I went through a really, really hard time and I was kind of, um, like God, like what is the next step? I thought I was supposed to be a nurse, like, but I asked you to close that door if it's not, you know, not for me. And now I'm, I'm really, really at a crossroads because I've got to do something with my life. And um, it was 2 a.m. And he spoke to me and told me three things that I needed to do. And like, I am, uh, it's, it was just one of the most incredible moments because I'm not one of those people that hear from God like all the time. <laughs> and so it was really cool. And um, I ran in my mom's room and it was 2 a.m. And I was like, mom, mom, I know, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I told her those three things. And she said, well, honey, why don't you contact your friend, Nicole Chris, because she's an entrepreneur. And so one of the things was to start the Fitted Gym. Again, at the time, I didn't know it was going to be called that. But God had told me to start it as a business for his glory rather than um, just an inspirational page. And um, that he, if I you know, followed his direction, that he would bless and multiply it. So um, the very next day, I had a conversation with my friend, and we started setting stuff up to put in the business in motion. And I officially launched like five months later. Um, and it was called gym at that point. And November 1st, I launched, um, setting up the business is oh man, something would, that would take a whole other podcast. Cause I have so many, so many tips, but it was such an, uh, interesting. And I, and I did immediately start selling my guides. Um, and of course those have evolved like, wow, looking back at my old guides, I'm like, wow, Cause you do graphic design and I don't, but I've learned so much about it. And like looking back, I'm I actually don't do graphic design. I don't, you don't, uh, I don't. So I started out doing my own graphic design because I had no money and I couldn't hire anyone. And right. the first real hire that I made, this was, we are recording this in November of 2019. So this was only a couple months ago in June of 2019, I hired a graphic designer. Um, and oh my God, it was amazing. I don't like graphic design. I just find sitting at a computer, like trying to get things to move around and so do it. Boring. It's so boring. It is so, so boring. boring. Like, and even there, there are some great tools. Like you can use Canva and things like that. And I'm pretty good at Photoshop, but I, I got good because I needed to. Um, oh my God, but it's just so boring. I would so much rather just say to someone like, hi, I need it to feel like this and use these colors and say these words, have fun. And then she comes back to me with yeah. all the things that she needs with all the things I need. It's so much better. Um, but yeah, putting together guides that need to look good without having graphic design experience is that does not sound fun. Yeah. So like my first ones, man, I go back and look at them and I'm just like face palming. Cause like, <laughs> wow, I, I did them all in word documents and I had no clue what I was doing. And then I like put the backsplash of the paper of like, each page like this gradient color but then it would never print that way and I was like yeah rough now now canva is my best friend I will be outsourcing soon for a graphic designer so anyways that was I have someone to recommend (laughs) (laughs) I got thank you thank you I'm there but yeah you mentioned that like it would take a whole other podcast to talk about setting up the business. What were the top three things that you wish you had known when you started? Okay. Uh, top one contracts are everything. Um, if you, if you are working with someone that is working on something that is your dream, have communication clause in the contract. Like, Oh my word, you cannot imagine how many contracts have been breached. Um, that I've worked with. I have projects that are going on a year and a half right now, a year and a half. So I started working on these six months after the official launch. My app comes out 
in the next few months. And that has been working for a year and a half. And it has been, it was supposed to launch like three to four months after we started working on it. And because contracts got breached and then I had to switch companies and um, same with other projects I have going on. Like everybody thinks I just sell workout guides. I'm in the background, like working on 10 projects that are like two years long. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it, it takes a lot of behind the scenes to make something so simple, to make something that yeah. looks so simple work. Okay. So number one, contracts, 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 make sure if they send you a contract, read through it. Like if you want to add something in there, make sure that there is like, for me, it's communication. Like if I communicate with you two to three times and I still haven't gotten a response in, in three weeks, four weeks, like that's not acceptable. No, um, so yeah, you need to have something in the contracts that if communication is not met, that you have every reason to get out of the contract. And then um, number two would be, do not be afraid to outsource. Um, I think that we think that we all have, we all have to do it all of ourselves, that we can only handle it all, that only us will do it best, but there are people out there like graphic designers that do a much better job at a much faster rate and that will actually buy us our time back because, and even small things such as like, I've actually never done this because I thoroughly enjoy cleaning my house right now because it's not big and my parents, I live with my parents. And so it's like, I have a lot of help with that. Um, but if you're a mom or something like that, um, outsourcing and getting someone to clean the house once a week for, you know, 60 to a hundred bucks, that time, that two to three hours could buy you back time to make more money on your business. For sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, so yeah. I think, so don't be afraid to outsource and number three, oh man, there's so many things. I think number three would be, um, Calculated risks are good and everything, but don't really don't be afraid to to really step in it because man, you you'll never you'll never take the next step. You'll never take the next plunge. Um, have a plan when you go into it. If you're planning on launching something, you need to start planning it about a year ahead of time. Um, and that's something that I was like, oh no, that doesn't really matter. Like I can get this out in two or three months. Yeah, no, look at me a year and a half later. Um, yeah. You know, if you want something big you need to start planning it about a year out and then have a proper launch, give about a month before the launch to get the pipe, like have everything planned out. Don't be afraid to take the next steps. Don't be afraid to ask for help because I've done a lot of things with the assumption that if I ask for help that um, people would like tell my secrets or like be like, Oh, the fitted gym's doing this, you know, because that is you such, asked me for help. Oh, that is like right where so much of my anxiety used to lie would be like, I, it's, I realized I used to not show a full length picture of a dress before it was live and available on my website. So when I was doing photo shoots and stuff like that, and I was working with lots of different people, I would tell them you could post whatever you want, just nothing full length. So like keep it from the waist up so that you don't see the full design. Cause I was so terrified of somebody copying me. And then it yeah. happened. Someone copied me. Someone took something yeah. from my site and copied it right off. And I don't know if it sold or didn't sell or whatever. Like, I don't know how it did. Um, but when it happened, I was like, okay, this is going to happen no matter what. I need to take the time to properly hype my pieces. And like, as I'm planning my next launch within the like next seven to eight weeks or so of just like a new winter style that's going to come out I've already shown the full length of the style and 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 it gets yeah. people excited and people can see it and but it's so hard to take something that you that is just like your little baby and then put it out into the world knowing that it will get abused like knowing that oh. people will take this information and use it inappropriately and it's uh it's the hardest yeah. thing yeah girl I feel your pain on that I'm like stressing over here on the on stuff I've got coming up. <laughs> right. So um, you have, you mentioned this app that you're working on and I know that you sell the guides. Are there like, what are the other aspects of, of things that you do? Like, and, and your page also centers a lot around obviously on fitness, but also around modesty. It, um, you know, there's always, and I don't think it's something that you outwardly talk about so much, even though there are definitely times when you do, but it's just a vibe. Like it's a very yeah. wholesome like it's, it, I think it's just cause it feels like you and that's how you are. You're just very, yeah. it's, it's very, it is very you. I'm curious how 
like in your day-to-day, we, we touched on this a little bit at the beginning. How does, like, how does modesty factor into, into your life, maybe into your decisions? Like, how do you approach that? So, um, modesty for me, you know, I mentioned before that when I was younger, it wasn't necessarily something that was like fully in my heart. And then now it's something that I, you know, I choose to do it, choose to, to, to live the way that I live and how it factors into my everyday life is, um, you know, I think it's actually pretty cool because I get to share my experiences while with the team and then getting to post that online. There's so many people that aren't even, you know, Orthodox or Pentecostal and there's Muslims and Mennonites and like even just people that follow my page that know anything about um, religion or anything like that. And they get to, they get exposed to that. And so in the future, you know, if they see a girl going to their gym in a skirt, they're not going to think it's this weird, but back to the question on how it factors into my everyday life and my decisions based on it. Um, you know, there are certain things that I do and don't do. Um, obviously you're familiar with that. Um, I think when it comes to being in tune with your personal conviction of modesty, you know, sometimes you can put a dress on and if you feel any sort of way about like for me, I can always feel if I, um, if I'm going to be kind of questioning like the tightness on my backside, et cetera, the entire time I wear it, I just wear it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, I know it's there. (laughs) Right. Everyone else. Right. It's just not worth the the self-consciousness of it. It's like, yeah. yeah. And and listen, there are sometimes when I'll put something on and it'll feel great. And like, is it maybe too tight sometimes? Probably, but like, I think, I think sometimes you just know, like you just feel it in your gut. Yeah. For me, it's like, sometimes the things that I end up not wearing, it's not that it's like wrong to wear it. It's that I don't want to be self-conscious the whole time. Like I want to be super comfortable and not be worrying about, um, you know, the way things look. And then when it comes to gym, there's just a mindfulness. Like for me, um, don't just bend over, you know, rear up all the time. Like I try and squat down in, um, you know, not, you know, push my backside in other people's faces. And, um, if I'm squatting, I tend to do it towards like a wall or corner, um, or I'll wear, um, like a jacket or a zip up around my waist, which actually adds such cute style to the outfit. Um, I've done it a few times. Yeah, I've done it a few times on my Instagram. I actually am going to the gym tonight with one um, on that, and I'm not even squatting or anything like that. But then, um, you know, doing like stiff leg deadlifts to where your 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 back your backside is the first thing that comes out. Like I'll do that towards a wall, or I'm just conscious. But it's not because anyone has ever told me to do those things. It's just what makes me feel good, and like I know that guys aren't looking at me because I'm I'm showing stuff off. They're actually just staring at me because I'm strong. Um, and all the guys in my gym know me and I'm like super chill with all of them. So that's not even a problem, but like I was in a gym in San, uh, not San Isidro, in San Antonio the other day. And it was the first time I had been there and, um, and the guys there just thought it was incredible that I was lifting in a skirt and, um, they were staring at me in awe and not staring at me in love. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what we're going for. What would yeah. you what would you say to someone who said that like working out or being in a gym is inherently not modest? Like, what would your reaction to that be? Um, well, I would ask them why. Like, I think people tend to underestimate the power of just asking why, and then you know if they pull out an answer that even makes any sort of sense, which I can't imagine it doing so, um, then I would have some, I personally have some like Bible verses up my sleeves when it comes to taking care of our, our temples and et cetera. But then also it's like, again, it goes back to the whole, a lack of education usually breeds fear. And, um, that's where I would just try and educate the person like, Hey, look, I've been doing this for a while. Like, um, you know, I think you can kind of tell I'm not an immodest person and I don't have like an immodest personality. And, um, I think that really just having open conversation about that. So if someone did come up to me directly and say that, which I've actually many people through my DMS and I have never had a single person that hasn't actually changed their tune 
um, once I talk to them very openly and very chill about it. And this is same when it comes to topics like mental health and stuff like that. If we have very close conversation, if we have conversation where we don't allow other people to express their opinions, we'll never get anywhere. But if you can open the conversation and open the dialogue and say, hey, look, I'm not going to ridicule you for thinking this way. Um, but here's some information on this. Here's some personal experience on this, like, et cetera. Um, then we're, we can really change the dynamic of the conversation. I think that's such a good attitude to have towards any kind of disagreement. You know, yeah. let's get the facts out on the table and then see where we can take it from there. I am so glad that we got the chance to speak today. This was, I, le I learned so many things. I know so much more now about so many different topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. If I wanted to learn more about you, where can people find you, Leah? I am on Instagram at thefittedgem, G-E-M. I also have a website, thefittedgem.com, and there's a chat button on there, and we can get very chatty. Um, I also have a Facebook, and um, I have my programs online. I have Facebook groups that you can join where I'll pop in and um, give some encouragement or advice or information, which that's one of my favorite forms of giving information is through my Facebook groups because it's just more of a community feel and um, more tight knit. So I yeah, I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> We're going to link all of that in the show notes. The last thing that I want to leave off with that I ask everyone who comes on the show is to you, Leah Fole, in your personal life, in the way that you approach your work or um, your business or whatever it is, what does it mean to you to make an impact? For me, making an impact um, is about going where God leads me and doing, um, doing his will. And I think the fitted gym, if not all the fitted gym has been through his guidance and making an impact to somebody, giving them confidence to go out dressed a little different or giving them the confidence to even start dressing modestly or, um, just being different and, and relishing that and relishing the power that they have within themselves and, um, within God and all of that is just incredible and giving them confidence, not just confidence in physical sense, but confidence spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. And when you have all four of those combined, it's, it's a powerhouse of combination. So making an impact to me is, is, it's such a special, special thing to be able to actually hear somebody say like, wow, you've impacted my life. And those are the areas, physical, mental, spiritual and emotional that I pray that I can kind of claw my way into. <laughs> well, I think that you're doing a fabulous job. Thank you for speaking to, to me, Leah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. You're a blast. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. You can find links to Leah's Instagram, website, Facebook groups, and all of that in the show notes. Access those by swiping up on the cover art. I asked my husband how much he thought the table weighs and his immediate reaction was, please don't make me move it right now. He did eventually agree that it's probably around 200 pounds. To hear more episodes, subscribe or head over to impactfashionnyc.com slash blog slash podcast. While you're there, feel free to check out what's new in the world of size-inclusive modest fashion. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a quick review or a rating. All of those help more people find the podcast. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.